Hello, I'm Denise Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. We also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. This week I'm discussing the 21 August issue, which will be on shelf from 14 to 21 August. Some of the articles in this issue include a profile of a young farmer from KwaZulu-Natal who is running a profitable business rearing broilers in his backyard. He talks about his plans for growing this venture into a large-scale poultry operation. Then we have an article on how to grow brinjals, an easy-to-produce vegetable crop that can earn you steady profits. Also read about the latest developments in legislation governing the transfer and sale of agricultural water use rights. And about a show at an art gallery in New York, which focuses on how the farming industry and rural areas are changing in response to urgent environmental, political and socio-economic issues. Manuel Gmede, who is 26 years old, first started experimenting with rearing broiler chickens in March last year. Ever since then, he has used whatever spare cash he could scrape together to buy the materials needed to build himself a broiler grower house in the backyard of his family's property, which is situated on traditional authority land in KwaZulu-Natal's Upper Biffles Dry area, just north of Durban. He also started using an empty rondavel on the property to rear his day-old chicks. He now has enough space to rear about 700 broilers at a time, which he sells on the informal market when the chickens are five and a half to about six weeks old. Gumede keeps his broiler houses as clean and hygienic as possible to minimize the risk of pests and diseases attacking his flocks. He does this by ensuring that any patches of wet floor covering are removed on a daily basis and replaced with clean, fresh, dry wood shavings. Gumede also thoroughly washes and sanitizes the interiors and equipment of both the rondavel and grower house between taking the previous birds out and introducing the next batch. He sells the chickens that he produces at taxi ranks and also directly from his family's property. And he says he has developed a steady customer base for pre-ordered cut and clean fresh and frozen carcasses. His mother and some temporary workers hired from within their neighborhood do the laborious slaughtering, feather plucking and carcass cleaning by hand on the property. An interesting and more recent development has been the rapidly growing demand for roasted and bright whole chickens. They deliver this directly to households in their community. And Gumede says, while this takes a lot of time and effort, the value adding generates more profit per bird than they would have earned if they sold the birds live and uncooked. He has set himself the goal of being a large scale commercial poultry farmer by the time he turns 35 in nine years time. And his next step, Gumede, says will be to build a second broiler grower house on the family's property that will give him space to finish a further 500 birds at a time. An urban tomato farm and a 250 kilowatt tractor are just some of the elements that have been included as part of an exhibition at the Guggenheim Museum in New York, which focuses on how rural areas are changing in response to urgent environmental and other issues. The heavy-duty Deutsch Fahr 
TTV Warrior is parked on Fifth Avenue at the entrance to the exhibition, which is titled Countryside, the Future. Notes on the exhibition that have been published in the Guggenheim Museum's website say that this exhibition will explore the radical changes in the rural, remote and wild territories collectively defined as the countryside. Outside the museum entrance, also on Fifth Avenue, tomatoes are cultivated under pink LED lights and within a finely tuned microclimate inside a hermetically sealed industrial grow container. This farming installation was developed by Infinite Acres, a Dutch-American company which specializes in developing technology to grow high-quality, fresh produce throughout the world with custom-designed indoor farming units. While the museum has been closed to the public due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the module that grows the tomatoes remained operational and has produced approximately 45 kilograms of tomatoes per week, which is all donated to City Harvest. This is New York's largest food aid organization and it helps feed more than 1.5 million New Yorkers who are struggling to put meals on their tables. Now the last feature that I'm going to be discussing this week. Any farmer will tell you there is no such thing as a perfect crop. But from a production point of view, brinjals are probably as close as it comes. A hardy plant and thick-skinned fruit are some of the characteristics that make brinjals a relatively fuss-free crop. Tiens Kutsia, one of the members of AAL Boudereau in Limpopo, which produces papayas, jam tomatoes, peppers, brinjals and cabbages, says that having brinjals adds an element of stability to the farm. But because there is limited market expansion, it needs to form part of a larger basket of products that you deliver to the market. They manage to harvest around 100 to 120 tons of brinjals per hectare per year, and Kutsia says they plant mainly Black King and Shakira cultivars, which they've chosen for the droplet shape produced by these cultivars, as it is easier to pack. He also notes that the brinjal plant can last between eight months and two years, and a continuous harvest is obtained throughout the life cycle of the plant. Kutsia says that demand is limited, but they believe the market will grow in future as more people incorporate a larger share of fruit and vegetables in their diets. Now let's quickly take a look at some of the top news from the 21 August issue of Farmers Weekly and also from our website, farmersweekly.co.za. The Competition Tribunal of South Africa recently gave diversified agricultural product supplier KLK Lanpo unconditional approval to increase its current 50% shareholding in Carpe Diem Raisins to 80%. Co-owned by van der Kolf Belachens, Carpe Diem Raisins is a 12,000 ton a year high-tech packhouse that processes and packages around 10,000 tons of raisins annually primarily for the export market. KLK's managing director, Stephen van Heistien, told Farmers Weekly that his company had owned 50% of Carpe Diem Raisins since 2015, with the option to increase its shareholding in the packhouse operation by the end of this year. The Competition Commission, which assesses large mergers before referring them to the tribunal for a decision, concluded that the merger was unlikely to result in a substantial lessening of competition in the market. At the moment, Carpe Diem Raisins packs and markets approximately 22% of South Africa's total raisin production. 
Ostrich producers in the Kleinkarua are expecting a challenging production year due to the prolonged drought in the region, and now also because of the uncertainty created by the COVID-19 pandemic. Joey Potgitter, chairperson of AgriKleinkarua, told Farmers Weekly that the region was entering its sixth year of drought. The valley, which, which stretches from Montague to Uniondale, currently had no production of any crops whatsoever, and this was creating a big problem for ostrich producers were unable to access lucerne, which makes up a big component of the rations for ostriches. Potgitter said feed had to be transported from far afield, which is putting massive financial pressure on producers. In addition, the prices of ostrich products has halved overnight, adding to the woes of these cash-trapped farmers. According to Potgitter, about 70% to 75% world's feathers were imported by companies in China. And this market has been closed since the beginning of January due to COVID-19. So for the past seven months, the feather market has been struggling, causing prices to drop by about 50% from where farmers would usually earn around 1,600 rand per bird for feathers. They are now only earning 800 rand per bird. Putgitter also added that Cape Karua International had introduced slaughter quotas for the 2020-2021 production year in an effort to reduce ostrich meat volumes in the market in response to the current tough trading conditions. Tractor and combine harvester sales increased in July, compared with the same period last year, and this was according to a report released by the South African Agricultural Machinery Association. This report showed that 444 tractors were sold in July this year, 20% more than the 368 units sold for the same month last year. Combine harvester sales for the month was up by three units to 11 sold in total. According to Greg Cadman, chairperson of the Agricultural Machinery Association, factors such as uncertainty about the performance of the RAND resulted in existing stock of tractors and combines being bought before inevitable price increases occurred later this year. He also said that good summer crops were currently being harvested and prospects for winter crops and the forthcoming summer cropping season were also looking encouraging. Estimates for 2020 had therefore improved, while sales would likely be similar to 2019. Bucky sales, on the other hand, have declined. The National Association of Automobile Manufacturers of South Africa report indicated domestic sales of new light commercial vehicles was down almost 25% in July compared to last year. Let's finish the program this week with some good news. If the forecast for late winter rain across the southwestern and southern parts of South Africa holds true, winter grain producers in the Western Cape may achieve their best yields since 2016. The latest South African Weather Service monthly seasonal climate watch report showed that rainfall forecasts for late winter, and that's up to the end of September, indicated increased chances of above normal rainfall for these regions. Ruan Skitter, an agricultural economist at Grain SA, said that the rainfall forecast bodes well for winter grain such as wheat and barley, which needed good follow-up rain over the next two months, and especially in September. He said that most of the winter grain growing regions had started the season with a very dry soil profile. However, since May, good rainfall had occurred. And at this stage, 
it does look as if the season will turn out well. Skitter said that if the Western Cape received the long-term average rainfall for September, the winter grain region could realize at least an average harvest for the first time in five years. Average wheat yields in the Western Cape are usually around three tons per hectare, but last year farmers in this region achieved less than two tons per hectare. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Please join me again next week when I will be discussing some of the features from the 28 August issue in which we have a special focus on conservation farming and soil health. Remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news and updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, stay safe and happy farming.